Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Within us all is a unique greatness. All of us were granted divine gifts of birth, and a grand destiny awaits anyone willing to follow their own unique path. The age of the victim is over, and the age of heroes has dawned. The way of the hero posits that one must utilize one's individual strengths to make one's world a better place. One need not be perfect or operating from ideal circumstances either. Are not the heroes that inspire us often tragically flawed? Are their lives not in a state of flux and full of uncertainty? Does this prevent them from attempting and accomplishing great things? Our Age of Heroes initiatives have harnessed the creative energy and focused the attention of many heroic individuals with radically diverse backgrounds over the years directing it towards improving the collective quality of human life. The Age of Heroes welcomes secular, interfaith, and interfaith participation. As with the Argonaut expedition of old, the children of different and sometimes warring gods are invited to partner with exceptional people to face great challenges and accomplish something that would benefit us all. And now to our Age of Heroes segment with our guest, Ryan Foley, who is certainly a modern-day hero and will share with us some of the things he learned while treading his path to make the world a healthier place for all. Greetings and welcome, my friend. Well, thank you very much for having me. I've been looking forward to speaking with you again. Me too. So how are you? Anything new and exciting? Uh, I, I'm doing very well. It's uh, I think with um, so many people that they they look upon the the dawn up of the new year uh, as an as an excellent opportunity to go through and make uh, some you know changes, improvements, and continuing to strive to be better in their in their own lives. And I'm really no different. While while I don't have a, a concrete set of of resolutions per se, it's always nice to go through and see that calendar flip over into a new year. And in this case. Uh, uh, a new decade, 
and, and charge forth with with uh, a lot of new ideas and, and exciting things and a, a projects that I'm involved in, both at work and, and in my personal life. And so I'm looking forward to hopefully 2020 being one of the best years of my life. Wow, that is incredibly awesome. May it come to be so. Um, now, I've known you, I knew you first as a graphic novelist, then as a novelist uh, and writer, and uh, then as a bodybuilder. Uh, and now the motivational speaker in you is emerging more and more uh, powerfully. So um, it is great, you know, to be experiencing all of this. And I was very excited when you sent me the message that you're going to be sharing with uh, people what you found useful in terms of pursuing your passion and your purpose. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, well, good. I, I, I think if I were going to go through, so um, I, I have been a writer uh, my first published work uh, in comic books, anyway, uh, uh, took me uh, was in uh, 2004, if my memory is is, uh, is correct in this, and it was around, uh, but it was not a, an overnight success. It was one of those things where uh, I decided to go with a different career path, and uh, I ended up becoming uh, almost a minority in the community in that I opted to become a full-time father uh, for the better part mm-hmm. of almost five years. And so I used that time to raise my boys, and then, uh, and then within that span of that five years, uh, my infant daughter. And so uh, in, in doing that, it allowed me the opportunity where I was going through, and I was, I was taking care of the house and, and, and handling all the chores and things like that. But that also afforded me time to write. It gave me time to, to go through and, and do submissions to Marvel Comics and certain independent comic publishers. Uh, and it allowed me to, to hone my craft and really practice and, and to be really honest, to get rejected uh, over and over and over again. Uh, and so sometimes you have to go through and you have to be willing to take those rejections. You have yeah. to be willing to take those hits and, and continue to keep moving forward. And But I, I think what we're starting to see is – and so what that did for me is it allowed me to pursue my true passion. Now, I wish I could tell you that I made just a, a countless amounts of money, uh, but the truth is I, I didn't really. Uh, but for me, it was never really about the financial rewards. It was more mm-hmm. about pursuing the passion of, of what I wanted to do. And so I've been extremely lucky in that I knew uh, practically from high school on that I knew that writing was where my true passions lied. And so I think we're starting to see a change in the demographic. Uh, and I can especially see it within uh, within my sons who are in the, who are both in their twenties uh, and and the friends the the friend group that they have. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to see there's a there's been a dramatic cultural shift just from back when uh, I graduated high school in 1993. And so to me, I always felt that time you know kind of held still, and everything that was the same whenever I was in high school was still going to be the same you know this time around. And so I was tremendously concerned that, you know, my kids didn't have, you know, the cool sneakers and the, and the, and the must-have jeans and all that sort of stuff. And so I was, I was almost taken aback whenever, you know, my kids were telling me that's, that's not a big deal, Dad. You know, no one cares what kind of clothes you wear. And so I was like, wow, okay. So for as much as everyone kind of wants to dog on the millennials, uh, there are certain aspects of this life that I think they've got figured out. And I think some of the some of that superfluous stuff has kind of fallen to the side. And so it's, it's less about how much money you make as opposed to, uh, you know, your joy for your job. 
I think out of this generation that's getting ready to come up, we're seeing a dramatic shift from, say, uh, the children of the 80s, you know, and uh, the greed is good uh, Wall Street mentality, and it's more along the lines of pursuing your passion. So as I continue yeah. to, to develop, and, and so uh, I am getting very close to, to being finished with my first novel, uh, you know, it's, and I'm, I'm probably going to start a second one, you know, as soon as I get done with that, because I, I feel like I have this, this constant drive to always want to be creating. And so secretly, and it's not going to be much of a secret now that I'm uh, blowing the, the water out here, but, you know, secretly I always wanted uh, the novel to be a tremendous success. If it's uh, kind of one of these things where, it, you know, pie in the sky type dream, uh, it gets picked up by some streaming service and they say, okay, you know, one, it's going to get published in a, in a, in a major market by a major company. I'm just going to publish it independently. But, you know, maybe some big publisher comes along, picks it up and says, yeah, we're going to, we're going to slap this. We're going to put this in bookstores uh, and we're going to get it to Netflix and Netflix is going to turn it into uh you know, into a series. And, and that would so be awesome. Like that. And, uh, if something like that were to be lucky, if I was lucky enough to have something like that happen, uh, you know, I, how phenomenal would that be? But I feel like that's the only way that people would consider it to be a success. You know, okay, oh yeah, you wrote your book, but do you have a movie deal? Well, if you don't have a movie deal, it's not really a, you know, a success. But for me, it was kind of one of those things where, boy, wouldn't it be nice and this is the secret that I was alluding to. Wouldn't it be nice to, for my old high school to uh, to invite me to graduation and say, "Hey, would you do the commencement speech at you know the gradu- for the graduating class of 2025?" You know, and you know, so oh, so here's this guy. He's from Adair, uh, and you know, he's he's one of you. He's still a warrior. He still lives you know here in town. Uh, but he also happens to be, you know, a creative consultant and executive producer on this television show for Netflix. And so, um, and so what would I say to those kids? And that was the reason why whenever you offered me the, inv- the invitation to come here and talk is like, well, yeah, I already know what I would tell them. I, I know what I would say. And it, the, the secret, as far as I'm concerned, the secret to happiness in this life is finding what you're supposed to do, whatever that is. And if you, if you can follow that passion, it, well, first you have to find it. No one else can tell you what it is. You have to figure it out for yourself. And then if you can make the leap that most people are not able to do, which is where if you can step out on the frontiers of that passion and actually make a little money at it, then the world is your oyster. I mean, every time that I would get paid, you know, a, a check from writing a comic book, I laughed all the way to the bank. I mean, you know, I would have done it for free. I would have paid them uh-huh. to, you know, to let me write these comic books, uh, you know, because, but so to me, I was getting paid like that was getting, it was playing with the house's money. You know, it's like, I can't believe they paid me to, you know, to, to write this. And so I was, you know, tremendously happy uh, about that. And so in that time, uh, you know, creating the scripts and, and all that sort of stuff. And then when you start to see the art come in and all that sort of stuff, uh, it was just, it was so nothing on earth has, has come closer to that level of excitement. And so if your listeners are out there and if, if they're young and they're trying to decide, Oh, well, what do I want to do with my life? I mean, I think we're getting to a point now where people are, because there's money out there to be made. 
uh, where they're not automatically, they don't have to get lumped into just some cubicle job because, well, that's what my parents did. And, you know, that's just what they expect of me. Uh, There's so many different, there's so much more opportunities out there now. And so that's where, that's where I feel like the secret is, uh, is finding that passion, whatever it may be, and then pursuing it. I think that's really the, the key to happiness. I, I agree with you 100%. And you're mentioning certain things, and uh, uh, perhaps I can be of assistance in uh, bringing those things uh, to pass. Um, one of the opportunities that's currently uh, unfolding in, uh, in my life uh, is an HD radio show, which uh, is focused on the greater New York metropolitan area and also a, a relatively younger audience, uh, uh, college students primarily. So I would love to interview you. I was going to ask you to interview you about your graphic novels, but what you're talking about now has great relevance. Uh, so you can address those younger kids and give them that information. Uh, I will most certainly invite you to. And uh, so, go ahead. I, I think a situation like that, it's, it goes back to uh, I, had, I had an incident earlier this week where I was able to offer my assistance to someone. Uh, and it just it was very little. It took a you know just a little bit of uh, a little bit of my time. Cost me absolutely nothing. But to that person, that could have been the the spark that they need to to get you know them on the road they're supposed to be on. Uh, mm-hmm. Going back to talking about the, the New Year's resolution, the 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 standard thing that we always see that sitcom trope. Uh, you know, oh, it's the first of the year. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to get into the gym. You know, and so uh, I, I got sent. Uh, I, I don't know how many people sent me the the meme of uh, the portals sequence uh, from Avengers Endgame, where all the heroes are storming onto the field of battle, uh, and it was and it's captioned with you know gems uh, on the first of January, uh, and they're not wrong. You know, there's all those people that want to come in, and as far as I'm concerned, I'm happy for those people. Yes, by all means, right. come in, get you know, it's, and but the gym is very intimidating to someone who's never been in there before. And I think it's kind of basic human nature to hide the fact that we don't know what we're doing. Uh, we're sometimes afraid to ask for help, not because uh, just because we don't want to admit, I have no idea how this machine works and, and, and I don't know what to do with this. And so we, we hate to have our ignorance laid bare and admit that we don't know what we're doing. But so sometimes uh, I've said this before in, in previous uh, interviews that we've done, and it bears repeating here that, you know, making fun of an overweight person who's in the gym is like making fun of a homeless person at a job fair. You know, they're exactly where they need to be. And may, they right. may not look like they belong there, but that's where they need to be. And so those people need the most encouragement. And you don't have to be, you know, patronizing or, you know, or anything like that, but even just a simple, you know, a thumbs up, a smile, you know, something like that to encourage them to be like, hey, you know, good job, man. Keep going. Uh, so to me, if I have the ability to reach out and help someone, I'm required to do that. It really goes back to the whole Spider-Man principle of, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, so if, if I have the ability to reach out and help someone just with my advice or even just the, the simple, you know, motto of, you know, I did it. I'm not special. 
it's uh, for me, it's it's a lot of dedication, and it's and it's been hours and hours upon hours of beating on my craft. It's kind of I always feel like it's a it's a it's a pebble in a pond. You know, you go through and you throw that pebble out there, and you have no idea the uh, amount of of impact that those ripples are going to have as as they echo across the pond. And so yeah, so there could very much be someone in in your neck of the woods that would probably have never have heard of me if not for being on your show. And so if I can metaphysically reach out to them and go, you know, Hey, this is what I did. This is my passion. And if I give them just a spark of, of inspiration, uh, not only is it's my pleasure to do that, but I could almost argue I'm required to do that. So if there's any, if, if there's any sort of way that I can help you, uh, with with future interviews in, in other venues, even other than this, I'm more than happy to contribute my time. It's uh, it's a pleasure because I get to talk about something that I, I absolutely love, and so to me, yeah. So I can go on and on about that for days. That that is incredibly awesome, and I thank you, and I will uh, um, take you up on that uh, offer. And I can personally say that uh, you have been a great encouragement uh, to me, not only uh, with the exercise, uh, but also with uh, writing. Uh, I remember early on in our conversations, I hadn't actually published very much. I think I did two eBooks, and uh, I was writing a few uh, scattered uh, magazine articles here and there. Uh, and you were one of the people who encouraged me to like try different things. And now, about two years and a few months later, I've been published in 15 anthologies uh, in the paranormal. And uh, um, aside from my podcast, I'm uh, earning a name for myself in that area uh, through these writings. So I want to thank you for that. You know, your advice was uh, very good and uh, it encouraged me to, uh, you know, go into an entirely new direction. And this new direction is opening up uh, many doors for me that otherwise uh, would never have been open. So uh, thank you. Uh, it is my, it's my absolute pleasure. And, and I think it's, again, it, it, I, you know, it just goes back to that, that whole interconnectivity thing. And I, I think if, if we were able to, grasp that concept as a, as a people more, you know, uh, everyone is, is your brother, everyone's your sister. And, and, it, and if you treated people in that way, would you treat these people, uh, you know, a certain way if, if they were your brother? And so to go through and it's, it's all interconnected, there's a pretty good chance that there's a whole host of kids and young adults and, and adults even that maybe would not have found my graphic novels if it wouldn't have been for your reviews and your interviews. And so as much as, as, as much as I've helped you, you've helped me equally as well. So uh, to me, it's, it's all just that you never know how the, all that is going to interplay together. I've always kind of tried to, I try to treat life almost like a tapestry where you have all these different interwoven threads and you don't really know because you only are able to see your one small thread. So it's, it's difficult to step back and see the whole grand picture. To me, that's, uh, that's what God's for. Uh, he's really the only one that can, that can <laughs> step back and, and see the whole thing. And so that's why I, I've always said that the only, uh, the only real crime is when your thread in the tapestry gets cut before it's time. Because yeah. then, then now the pattern changes. Now the the picture is not going to have you in it for this section where you needed to be in it. Uh, so since we're all connected like that, I mean, 
I think if you stop and, and you take a step back and you think about it from that perspective, then it comes back to how can we not help each other? So I, I think it's, it's definitely been a two-way street there. As much as I've helped you, you've definitely helped me as well, too. Well, I'm, I'm honored. Um, and now, it, like I look at the world and I hear and watch things on the Internet mostly these days, but uh, uh, our world seems to be burning uh, in very many places, uh, it's burning in Australia, it's burning in Africa, it's burning in South America, it's burning, it was burning in uh, California. That seems to have uh, gotten manageable with uh, the rains. But um, when you look at the satellite pictures, it, uh, it forced me to change my perspective. And it's like, uh, it, it showed me how fragile life is and how we should appreciate the moment and ask ourselves what is truly important. You know, whatever time we have left and we have no control over that. Um, what is it that we should be doing? Um, not because it'll earn us a place in the afterlife or because it's the political correct thing to do, but deep down in our gut, you know, what do we feel, you know, what is our, our purpose? Um, what is our passion and how can we use our own unique gifts to make the world a better place or at least to confront and change uh, the situations that uh, aren't good for anybody? I understand exactly what you're talking about. And, and I know, um, I, boy, I hate to juxtapose the seriousness of what you're talking about. I, I, really, I hate to do this, but just if, uh, walk with me just a little bit. Sure. So I hate to juxta I hate to juxtapose the tragedy, the absolute tragedy that is happening down in Australia and the the potential, the brink that we seem to be sitting on right now uh, regarding Iran. And I hate to juxtapose that with Rick and Morty, but but okay. there are times where I have to kind of weave it back into my wheelhouse in order for me to to wrap my head around it. And, Understood. Uh, I know that we've talked about Rick and Morty in the past, and it's it's, it's such a vulgar cartoon. It's, it's difficult to, to often want to go through and draw wisdom from. But one of the things that they talk about in that is that so you have these infinite dimensions, and and uh, and there is a certain amount of of uh, nihilism that goes mm-hmm. along with Rick and Morty. In that is is anything that we do, will anyone know who I am? Uh, 50 years from now, a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, or 10,000 years from now. And when you look at it on such a grand uh, stretch of time, it's easy to get lost in that nothing that there's nothing that we do that matters. And mm-hmm. the, the, the legacy that I have as of this moment, if, if my time is done tonight uh, and, and I'm done, the legacy that I get to leave, uh, aside from the kind words that I've given to my friends, the um, my children, and and then crazy enough, my books, uh, the lessons that I've tried to put forth in my graphic novels, specifically the ones about the Greek myths, it was my interpretation of a, a universal truth that I felt that people needed to know. And so now I have a very unique opportunity in that my work could potentially live on longer than, than I do. Uh, and so there could potentially be a child uh, who's not even born yet 
who could come along and pick up my book uh, and read it, and it could change their lives. I, I, I hate to say that. I, I'm trying to, to say that with humility and not like I've written the one you know, great American novel, but you know, it's just where I, I harness this story. One could almost argue that I didn't write the story, that the story just flowed through me because mm-hmm. this was the story that needed to be to, that needed to be told, and I was just the instrument for the story. Uh, you know, but so what can we do? And I, I know it's uh, there. There's so many problems that seems to be going on in the world, and and I know a lot of people can go through and they can say, well, you know, I'm just one person. What can I do? I'm just one voice, one vote. I don't know if I'm smart enough to solve the problems with with plastic. Uh, you know, seeping into the groundwater and things like that. Uh, but there's someone out there that's passionate. And I'm reminded of the quote that Stan Lee said. Uh, he was talking about how he was going to uh, he was going to these parties with his wife, and he was almost embarrassed to admit that he wrote comic books because you know other people were doctors and other people were building bridges, and here he is you know, writing funny books about guys that climb on walls. And, and so he's, but then he thought about it in, and I, I don't have the quote, you know, here in front of me, but he basically said, you're entertaining. And if you can go through and you can entertain, then you're, you've allowed people to focus on maybe something different than the horrors that are currently going on in Australia. You've given them a reprieve. Uh, when when you go to the movies and the lights go down and you know you get to be transported into a different world for two hours and you get to forget about all the negative things and I think if we don't have those outlets, uh, the world just becomes a very dull and, and dreary place. So uh, I'm sure there are young scientists out there who are going to be much more that were smarter in school and paid a whole lot more attention and are just as equally impassioned about science as I was about understanding things like foreshadowing and dialogue and the Levitt paradigm and, and, you know, the three act structure and all that sort of stuff. So my small contribution to this world is to go through and and to do my writing. And and that's what I do. And hopefully I go through and I entertain and hopefully I, you know, I make someone laugh or I make someone cry. That'd be even better. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I love to make people laugh with my jokes and my stories, but boy, if I can make you cry, now see, I've, I've tugged in on, on that heartstring, and, and so to me, there's nothing better as a, as a writer uh, to create something like that. So that's that's kind of my gift to the world. But everyone's gift is going to be different. But if they yeah. don't if they don't go after that gift, if they don't go through and harness that path that they're supposed to be on, then cancer doesn't get cured, you know, or or this terrible tragedy doesn't get averted, or this disease doesn't get wiped out. Uh, and so that's where, to me, it all comes back to that, that belief that you have to follow that passion, whatever it is, uh, in order to find your true purpose, which, uh, you know, ironically, it's, it's, that's, the, that's the lesson in the story that I wrote about Theseus. Or I'm, I'm sorry, about Perseus. Uh, you, know, you, have to, you have to find your passion, and, and it, you can't run from it. You can't run from the destiny. Either. No, you can't. And so, so whenever you go through and you embrace that destiny, you say, this is what I was put on this earth for. And those that can find it, and, I, and not everyone will. I mean, it's a, it's a sad fact, but not everyone's going to go through and find their purpose in their life. Uh, but, it, but I think if they go through and they actively try to pursue it, then they can do it. And then once, so they find the passion. That's the first part. 
then if they can somehow translate it into where they can make a living at it, then uh, there's not a there's not a better way to live your life than by stepping out in the frontiers of that passion. I'm in total agreement with that. And I found when pursuing my own uh, passion and purpose that uh, once you find it, you discover you've always known it, Uh, (laughs) but you never would give yourself permission to pursue that path. And I also found that in many cases, the people closest to you, that's a, my uh, dog, Sophia, protecting me from unseen sure. terror. Uh, <laughs> okay. Sophia, that's okay. That's okay. Um, and also that the people closest to you uh, can share with you elements of it that they've seen. Uh, but it, it, it seems like until you're ready to embrace it fully, that it's there, not far away, but you, it, the, the path of finding something so close uh, is sometimes long, winding, and uh, treacherous. But once you find it, uh, unexpectedly, obstacles clear and doors uh, open um, once you know what it is and you embrace it and you just uh, move forward. And not that it's easy and not that there won't be any challenges, but uh, you have the definitiveness of purpose. You have that focus and you have a direction to move in. And if you're living that, that's the best thing you could possibly live, as you say. I I think you're absolutely right. And thinking about here, you know, at my own path, uh, you know, back when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, you know, I used to sit around with my friends around the kitchen table and we used to design comic book characters, you know, uh, know, Mm -hmm. so writing for me has kind of been that staple that has always been there while my interests have varied from place to place and, and things like that, that element of writing or the, the element of storytelling has always been there. I've always wanted to go through and tell these certain stories. So yeah, there were times where, uh, you know, I was going to go to college uh, in order to work, you know, in uh, I was going to get a degree in computer engineering uh, but but even then, you know, the writing was there, veiled in the shadows, you know, just you know, waiting for me to figure out, hey, this whole computer science thing, that's not really the area that you need to be in. And so the writing was there as a, as a pastime whenever I was going through and, and studying. And so uh, once I decided to shift away from that, yeah, so I, I understand exactly what you're talking about as far as it's there, uh, but it's, it's veiled in shadow. And so you have to go yeah. there and find it. But then once that veil is pulled back and you find what it is, then nothing can deter you from that path. Nothing will draw you away from it uh, because you know this is what you're supposed to do. I, I would almost equate it to – I like to use the analogy of you're in the flow of the river. And if you go out into the center of it where it's deep and where you can't touch the bottom – man, that's scary because the current's pushing you along where it needs to be. But if you stay by the shore, you're going to get banged up against the rocks and the trees and all that sort of stuff. So you have to have the courage to swim out to the center and go, but, but then once you're in the flow and that's when you know, that's where you know where you're going. uh, That is just, it's, it's an unbelievable feeling. And that's what I would love for your listeners to discover to, that the feeling of being in that flow of knowing this is what I'm supposed to do. This is where I'm going. Uh, it's that, that's, that's the only way to live life as far as I'm concerned. 
Um, I agree, and that's why the show is uh, titled The Age of Heroes. This was kind of like the direction that everything was uh, was heading. Um, the Age of Heroes has been a constant theme in uh, my life, and uh, the idea is basically that uh, you know everybody has the potential to be great, and it's just find what you feel strongly about and do something uh, uh, in that area or do something about something. And even if you could only do it in your household, you know, be nice to everybody in your house, you know, be, uh, um, you know, take care of everybody to the best of your ability, you know, try to create a better world for the people uh, that you love that are in your immediate uh, circle, then you've contributed something great to the world. You know, if you can tackle world problems, that's fine too. And you should, you should go do that, but that you don't have to, and uh, you don't have Right. You, you do what you can, but do something. And we have a lot more control over our lives than we believe we have. And uh, one thing I've learned now I'm in my sixth uh, decade here is that a lot of it really is in your head. And the limitations you set for yourself and the, the truths that you embrace do more to color your reality than anything that's actually happening in the greater reality. So uh, if you learn to tell yourself better things uh, and to uh, open yourself to new possibilities, uh, life becomes miraculous. And, and again, unexpected things happen with greater frequency. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely correct. And I think the only, the only uh, little tagline that I would put uh, onto that statement would be the fact that you you can't compare greatness to other people. What is great for some, right. they, you may look and go, well, oh, well, I'm not the CEO of a multi-million dollar company, therefore I'm a failure. Uh, you know, I, I don't have this, I don't have that. When you start comparing yourselves to other people, I think that's when we start to, to go through and we start to suffer a, a bit of a downfall in our own I agree. Life, oh, I, don't have, I don't have the money that this person has. But again, if we can tie back to the, uh, the previous comment about how everything is all interwoven together. And uh, I've always been of the opinion that, yeah, you can have the big hotshot lawyer who, uh, you know, but without those paralegals, without the secretaries, without the guys emptying the trash can, you know, at the end of the night after everyone's gone home, the machine doesn't work. So it's, it's all these little integral parts that are all tied together. And so even though you can just say, oh, well, you know, I'm just a secretary at this job. Yeah, but you keep him uh, or her, you know, on time in the meetings. You keep him organized. You keep him, you know, uh, the way he needs to be. And so as a result, his success wouldn't take place without you. I mean, go through and uh, I, I absolutely love the Marvel movies. And I know everyone you know, loves to talk about Chris Hemsworth and, and Chris mm -hmm. Evans and Robert Downey Jr. And they're all and they're fantastic. They absolutely are. But then when you go through. We sit now through those Marvel movies. We, we've become conditioned. We know, okay, if you're a regular to the Marvel movies, you stay. You don't get up after the credits start rolling. Right. You're staying for that scene afterwards because you want to know what that is. So you get to see all those names of all those different people who committed and time and energy and their talent into making something like that work. And so it, it takes a village. You know, it's, it's not just one person that does it. It's a whole host of people. And so, so you may not be able to see what you're contributing. Again, going back to the whole tapestry thing, uh, you may not be able to see your contribution, but it's, it's there. It's part of it. Right. And so as long as you can go through and continue to do your best, 
if you're putting your best out into the world, I believe the world will do something with it and extend that greatness out in directions that you can't perceive. So you're going to be helping people without realizing that you're helping people. We are so much on the same page, <laughs> and I, I'm glad that I invited you to talk about this topic because uh, everything you said was uh, right on the money and hit the nail on the head, used for metaphor. Um, our journey for today is coming to, uh, to an end, but our larger journey continues. Uh, thank you for being who and how you are, Ryan. Uh, you're awesome, and I'm greatly appreciative of it. Well, thank you very much for giving me an opportunity to come on here tonight, and uh, all I can hope is that someone out there is listening to this right now. And if I've given them even just a, a modicum of, of hope uh, within their own lives as, and from seeing what I've brought to the table. And so if I can do it, you can do it. And so if I've helped them even just a little bit, then this has been uh, you know, the best 40 minutes of my day to be able to help out an absolute stranger. To me, that's, that's what makes it all worth it. And how can folks learn more about you, about Fury and Strength, and enter um, your universe? The, the best way would be the, the promotions that you do whenever you're uh, uh, hyping your shows. Uh, the, the amount of exposure that you give to me on Facebook is, is the absolute best way. I think that's probably how I can reach the most amount of people. So, yeah, just the, the promotion that you give me uh, on your Facebook page is, is absolutely fantastic. Thank you. And uh, before we wrap up for the evening, um, with the Age of Heroes now, that uh, basically the foundations for that have been uh, set, um, I would like to um, extend things beyond the promotions and beyond uh, the uh, conversations that are being recorded. Uh, so anything that you're doing in terms of uh, helping people become you know, better, and we're focusing mostly on physical fitness, but what you do is beyond that. Uh, please share it with me, and I'll gladly share it uh, on uh, my timeline, uh, on my groups. Uh, some of the groups and pages have like 600 people, 400 people. Uh, so I, I would be honored to uh, uh, spread your deeds uh, and share them with people. I absolutely will. I'll keep that in mind for the future. Okay, be well, my friend. Uh, may this new year bring all good things to you and yours. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I hope the rest of your show is equally fantastic. Thank you. Um, we're going to listen to Dave the Bard's The Pipes of Pan because we've started something called Champions of Arcadia that's unfolding in my community and uh, beyond. And then we will be back with our Sword and Sandal Cinema with Brian Walker of Brian's Driving Theater.
one of the places that I would often go for inspiration throughout my sojourn in optimal wellness is Brian's Drive-In Theater, which had a shrine to the Hercules movies, uh, as the Peplum movies or Sword and Sandal movies are sometimes called, and beyond with lots of B-movie genres, including science fiction superheroes. So needless to say, throughout the years, I have visited that shrine uh, very often, and uh, I'm greatly honored to have Brian Walker here on his own segment, Sword and Sandal Cinema, with Sci-Fi Cinema starting again later this month. Greetings and welcome, Brian. How are you? Uh, I'm fine, Hercules. How are you this evening? I'm doing incredibly awesome. Many amazing things have been unfolding in my existence. That's a good thing. Well, that's wonderful to hear. And how were your holidays? Um, I got to admit, it was kind of bittersweet. Um, there was uh, some some good. I you know I got to uh, see uh, some friends and some relatives that I don't get to see very often. And sadly, uh, a really good friend of mine, somebody I've known for almost 30 years, uh, passed away unexpectedly um, on December 30th. And this is somebody who you know I looked uh, I looked to as a mentor and somebody that I, ta- I discussed film with a lot. So uh, it's kind of thrown me for a loop, you know, uh, since you know uh, Chuck passed away just a week ago. Um, but you know, uh, I'm trying to uh, be positive about 2020, and I'm looking at it as a sort of year of change for me. Good. Positive change, uh, I'm sure. I hope so. <laughs> we, we, we don't want to go backward. We want to go forward. Well, let us dedicate uh, tonight's show to Chuck and his uh, memory. And if you care to share a little more uh, about him, uh, he's immortalized on this uh, broadcast. Well, um, you know, like I said, uh, he and I uh, used to discuss film uh, quite a bit. We used to work together uh, for about 14 years. And, you know, when you spend about 40 hours a week uh, with somebody, you you get to know them and you get to know their likes and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I I did learn a lot uh, from him, especially when it came to uh, film and – uh, you know, like I said, I, I wasn't uh, ready to say goodbye, but uh, I was allowed to. Um, yeah, I got to see him before he passed away. We got to speak for about an hour. Uh, so, and and that was that was some that was nice closure, you know, uh, for me, I, I think. Um, and we're going to have a celebration of life uh, service uh, later on into the spring uh, when the weather gets a bit nicer. That that is awesome. You're inviting uh, family and friends of his uh, um, reminisce and yes. uh, celebrate his life. That is awesome. Yes, and um, as I was uh, preparing um, or, or thinking about preparing for uh, today's show, it struck me how many birthdays there are uh, this month for Peplum stars, and there's actually a, a, a lot. Um, you know, today, for example, is Mark Forrest's birthday. He's 87 years old. Um, it's also uh, Mickey Hargitay's birthday. He passed away um, back in 2006, uh, but would be 93 now. 
And also this month, uh, Dan Vadis, um, he, his birthday was just a few days ago on January 3rd. He passed away back in the 80s. Uh, Liana Orfe, uh, who was um, in a lot of uh, peplums, you know, usually um, uh, usually a, a good character, but sometimes bad at the same time. Uh, she's also she was also born today. And your favorite, Steve Reeves, his birthday is coming up on January 21st. And wow. uh, Reg Lewis, who was who was just in one peplum, uh, he will be 84 on January 23rd. So it's sort of a big month uh, for uh, peplum actors. Yeah, that is. There are some impressive uh, names there. Uh, the only one I've gotten to speak to is Mark Forrest. Uh, but uh, I did a tribute to Steve Reeves not too long ago for an entire year. Uh, so I learned uh, a lot about him. I've read several books about him. He was an amazing individual. Uh, Mark Forrest, of course, uh, amazing uh, to talk to as well as uh, to watch what he's done. And uh, the rest, too, they're all accomplished uh, people uh, who gave us uh, images and audio that I know uh, live on in our souls uh, throughout our life. Uh, yes, they do. And uh, there's quite uh, you know, a breadth of talent there. Yes, there is. And I'm glad that they got the opportunity to uh, display that talent, to become part of uh, these beloved genres and uh, um, part of something uh, greater, uh, modern mythology, if you like. And uh, you are not only the creator and the keeper of uh, Brian's Drive-In Theater, uh, but also you've taken an interest in preserving uh, our cinematic legacy. And I, I find that uh, totally uh, awesome. And uh, anywhere I can help out with that, I'd be more than uh, happy to. Well, you know, we, we've, we've discussed this in the past. Uh, I'm just afraid that, you know, with some of the cultural shifts that we've seen just in the last few years, you know, physical media versus streaming that uh, I'm afraid that some of the movies that you and I, you know, uh, really love are eventually going to be buried um, right. and either either very difficult or practically impossible, uh, you know, to uh, watch, uh, especially those that are not public domain, at least not yet. The public domain titles I don't worry about as much because I think those will always be readily available somewhere, whether it's uh, you know uh, through one of my favorite um, you know, streaming sites, archive.org, or, or somewhere else. Let, let's say uh, you know Amazon Prime, which which has a lot of um, you know public domain titles, uh, mm-hmm. but the ones that aren't public domain really worry me. I'm just afraid that they're going to get lost in the shuffle. Well, we know when we've spoken of the fact that every time there's a transition in format uh, from VHS to Blu-ray, from Blu-ray uh, to, I mean, I'm sorry, from VHS to DVD, from DVD to Blu-ray, from Blu-ray out of uh, 4D or 4X or whatever. I'm, I'm not that far. I'm just getting into Blu-rays now. Um, but a lot of titles that were previously available are no longer available once it switches uh, to a different format. Uh, so I have some things in my collection that I only have on VHS. And uh, even though the copies are degraded, I'm re- reluctant to let go of them because it's the only link I have uh, to this movie. 
And uh, sometimes I'll find them on uh, YouTube, but they'll be in a in you know a different language, or you know there'll be some problem with it. But uh, uh, so we lose them with each step. So I I agree, and I share your concerns as well. Well, you know, uh, when um, I got my first VHS player, which was you know close to 40 years ago, um, at this point. Uh, Whenever you went into you know a, a uh, you know a video rental store, um, uh, you got to see you know a lot of you uh, titles that were you know a bit off the beaten path. Um, a lot of the stuff uh, early on that you could rent, um, actually a lot of it was B. You know, uh, a lot of right. the uh, big studios, a lot of the big studios were kind of afraid, you know, of of home video. And then after a while, you know, everything got put on the VHS, uh, anything and everything pretty much. And, you know, about 20 years ago, I started switching from uh, VHS over to DVD. I bought a DVD burner um, and I started uh, moving all of my VHS collection, you know, over to DVD which uh-huh. I, I, I probably got 98% of it done, um, you know, over the years, but you know what? I still, I still have a few, uh, VHS players, uh, that still work. Uh, one of them is actually still connected to a television, believe it or not. And oh, I keep it awesome. there. It is. And I keep it there you know, just in case, you know, I, I do run across an old VHS tape that I want to take a look at. And I got to tell you, there's something really satisfying about putting that VHS player, a VHS tape in the player and then either rewinding or pressing play. And you can hear, you know, all all the mechanical pieces, you know, beginning to work. And the picture quality was pretty, it's not, it's not as good as, um, you know, DVD or certainly not as good as Blu-ray, but the picture quality is not bad. And there's something, um, there's something that I like about the media itself that maybe it's the heft of it or uh, I'm not really, maybe it just reminds me of days gone by, but uh, I, I kind of miss those old VHS tapes. Me too. And I remember I on my say, first, uh, I film when I, when I bought the VHS, I, I think I paid like $400 for a VHS machine. And the first movie I bought was uh, Conan the Barbarian for $80. Mm. And, uh, you know, here I'd spent a considerable amount of money uh, for me at that time, uh, but it was worth it to be able to watch uh, one of my favorite movies anytime I felt like watching it. So uh, um, the, the, the journey continued after that. Then I started uh, collections and they got cheaper and then they changed formats and so on. Well, uh, I, I was probably in high school when I bought my first um, VHS uh, machine. And I, I wanted something that was, you know, pretty top shelf. Fortunately, I had a halfway decent job in high school, and I saved and saved. And my first uh, VHS player was actually a stereo VHS. Um, okay. It was it was, re- it was really expensive at the time. It was probably I don't know. I want to say between eight hundred and a thousand dollars. But wow. this was probably like 19, This is probably like eighty one, eighty two, something like that. And pretty soon I, I came to realize that, you know, gosh, you know, one VHS uh, 
uh, player recorder is nice, but two would be even better. And I would occasionally, I would occasionally go out and just rent another player for the weekend. And then um, I hope the I hope the FBI isn't listening. I would occasionally make copies of you know, some of the things that I was uh, renting. Yeah, I know a lot of people that used to do that, uh, and uh, I've always been technically inept, <laughs> so I had difficulties um, attempting things like that. But uh, uh, friends did make recordings for me, and uh, so I had them in my collection as placeholders until uh, uh, they would come out on, uh, you know, they'd be available. Well, and then, uh, you know, if, if you ever found something you wanted to see, you know, over the air, and maybe that was, you know, let, let's say uh, one of Steve Reeves films or something like that, you could either, um, you know, uh, you sit up uh, late at night and uh, you'll be able to uh, you know, press the red button to record it or you know, maybe even set your VCR in order to capture yeah. it. Yeah. I got a now, lot I always of... Had tr- Go ahead. By recording TV shows. I always had trouble setting uh, the the um, the VHS player because the, the first one I had had a really convoluted setup in order to be able to uh, set a timed recording, and it, it kind of mm-hmm. took me a while. It took me a while to master that because I, I was very good at getting about half the film. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, recorded. Those were the days. <laughs> I remember there, there were a lot of movies that I've never, ever, ever seen again. Uh, there was, uh, during the, the VHS boom, uh, a lot of, like, really obscure movies that were available at uh, video stores. Um, out The mom and pop ones, mostly. I think we've spoken about this uh, uh, before. And it was great to find these treasures and watch them. And uh, you probably call them C movies or D movies or even Z movies, uh, some of them. But uh, they were great. You know, uh, some of them were were great because they were great. And some of them were so terrible that they were great. But they were very entertaining uh, to watch. And uh, um, I have not seen these movies uh, since and uh, you know, they're not listed anywhere and they're just gone into some limbo. Well, and for me, you know, I, I um, there were some movies that I'd always read about that you were just never going to see on broadcast. Uh, you know, let, let's say um, you know, some of Andy Warhol's films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I, I was just never going to see them on broadcast television back then, anyway. And we had we. Right, and we had uh, one of our local shops. You know, when I was a teenager, actually carried Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, Andy Warhol's Dracula, and a few of his other films. And I probably was maybe a bit too young to uh, rent them, but I went ahead um, and, and did so anyway. Um, and it was it just it gave you the opportunity to see things that otherwise you were just never going to see. Uh, on broadcast or, you know, unless you had, you know, a, a, a terrific art house theater or something like that, you were never going to see them at your local theater either. And, right. and it really, it really expanded my horizons, you know, um, 
you know, when it, when it comes to, you know, see, seeing these films and um, you, you developing an appreciation for them. And certainly with the Peplums, um, had it not been for VHS, you know, some of these films were just so hard to find, you know, on broadcast. And, and if you did, if you did find them on broadcast, chances are they were sold into a syndication package and they just, they ran the same, let's say five or 10 over and over again. Uh, but with VHS, um, it, it, VHS kind of created a lot of you know, communities, you know, among film buffs as well. Um, when I first started my website, uh, almost 20, 22 years ago next month, as a matter of fact. Happy anniversary. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that next month. But uh, when I first got the website going, um, a lot of us would trade tapes around because mm-hmm. – you, know, you, you one person might have you know let's say a Mark Forrest movie that was really tough to find, and the other might have you know let's say a Kirk Morris film that was difficult to find. So we would all just sort of circulate the tapes, you know, or, or trade oh. tapes, so we could actually watch these films. And I mean, it really added a lot to to my knowledge of these of these movies and um, the, the community that. Uh, we created um, you know, just by virtue uh, of you know, my you know, working on the website and trying to get more of this information. And, you know, a lot of the information, especially at the beginning, uh, certainly wasn't all me. I mean, a lot of people contributed uh, to the filmographies, certainly the photographs, and a lot of the basic biographical information because there was so little of that online you know, at the time. And um, it really did take a community, you know, uh, in order to, um, you know, appreciate the films. And I'm afraid with streaming that we're really losing that. And and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I, I streamed, I'm, I'm streaming a Mark Forrest movie right now as we're uh-huh. speaking. I don't have anything against streaming, but it's just not quite, it's not really quite the same. Right. No, it it isn't uh, quite the same. And uh, um, there's all, all the things streaming. I'm not watching them as they're streaming, uh, you know, and I'm waiting for the DVD set to come out, which may or may not happen with more and more things uh, you know, being available just on the Internet. Um, I was talking to uh, um, some folks today uh, because uh, uh, we're discussing the possibility of a TV show. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, this topic uh, came up uh, there too, that, uh, you know, I have like this inner concern that the internet won't be there, you know, uh, uh, and then all that stuff will just vanish. And unless you have physical copies somewhere, uh, like some scrolls from antiquity that were secreted away in like desert tombs uh, uh, for preservation because uh, uh, people suspected that they wouldn't uh, uh, exist otherwise. Uh, it's the same. You know, I, I, I love this material. I want it to survive. And uh, I don't trust it to survive on the Internet. And and you know what I've I've, I've thought a lot about this, and I, I tend to agree with you on about that. Um, I, I don't trust it either, and I'm going to hang on to my um, 
old VHS and my DVD copies uh, until the bitter end. Yeah. <laughs> and one one of the things that worries me about all this too is that you you remember a few years ago um, when uh, Funai uh, was the company that was the last company that made uh, VHS players. Um, they stopped making them. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't have and I I didn't have the forethought to buy like five or six of them. Right. They were they, yeah, they were they were relatively inexpensive. They were I think maybe two hundred dollars or something like that. Uh-huh. And I really wish that I had the forethought to uh, you know, maybe stockpile a few <laughs> a few of them. But uh, I won't make that same mistake. Uh, you know when and if uh, DVD players. Um, <laughs> You become extinct. I, I will buy a pile of them <laughs> and keep them uh, so that I can play my physical media. But like I said, you know, I don't have anything against streaming. And I mean, I, I actually do watch uh, you know, a lot of films uh, and, and some television as well uh, via streaming. I, I probably watch YouTube, uh, for example, as much as I watch anything. You yeah, know, quite honestly. I, I watch uh, a lot of uh, YouTube and uh, um, I've been playing with the possibility of doing a YouTube show. Um, and uh, we actually put some things on YouTube just to become familiar with it. But uh, um, mm-hmm. that's still a possibility once I understand it a little bit uh, better. And I have like several seasons of a television show. I have a movie that I made. I have uh, um, all these uh, episodes and I have tons of uh, material uh, that includes people like Bruce Campbell and David Carradine and uh, Guillermo Mm. del Toro that we never used in the show that's sitting on these like mini DV uh, cassettes. So uh, if I can figure out how to do some simple editing and I have a place to put them, uh, I'm going to spend like an hour a day organizing all that material and and sharing it. Uh, Because otherwise the mini DV things will degrade and then that's it. They're lost, you know, and, uh, as it is, I can't find players for my three and a half inch stuff, or you know. So, engine um, mm-hmm. transition and things are unfortunately sometimes lost. You know, and, and that's a shame too. And it really, sh- it, it just shouldn't happen. Um, you know, with all of this available technology, it's a shame to to to, to lose um, you know something like that and. Um, you know, in this day and age, you don't think about um, you know, losing a film or something like that. Like, um, you know, if you if you look at films made before 1930, and you find out that the majority of them are lost, or films even before 1950, you know, the, uh, you know at least 50 percent of them are gone. But it's a shame to think of something that's you relatively new, something in the last 10 or 20 years that uh, might get lost just because of the degrade, the degradation, you know, in videotape, but it, but it does happen. Yes, it does. Unfortunately, um, you know, all you need is one leak in your basement or in your attic and, or wherever you're storing in a cool, dry place. And uh, uh, there it goes. Well, and they just degrade on their own as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, just, just by virtue of sitting on a shelf, you know, it's not really uh, time. <laughs> unfortunately, time, time does few things any favors. Uh, you, you, humans uh, and uh, videotape, uh, I suppose. Um, 
but uh, it would be a shame for all of that to get lost. And, you know, if, if you are able to, you know, uh, upload it to, to YouTube, that would be fantastic. And, and if you can, you know, one of the things that I do like about and appreciate about YouTube is that I think that whole sense of community is there within YouTube. Yeah. Um, you know, people can comment, you know, um, you, whenever you post something and 99% of the time, you know, people do have helpful, constructive comments or maybe even criticism. The other 1% you could ignore. Um, but, uh, it's that sense of community that, you know, I, I find missing in places like, you know, Netflix and Hulu, um, that and that's something I really appreciate about YouTube is that you know we you can still contribute um, you can still um, you know add your knowledge uh, and add your expert, expertise and hopefully you know um, you keep these films alive and keep the interest in them alive I mean that's probably the biggest thing is to keep people interested in them because if people are interested in seeing them and people want to see them it's going to be so much more likely that these films will be available um, to a new generation. Very, very true. And uh, the archives guarantee that these uh, things are going to be available. And uh, uh, as you pointed out uh, last time, the archive includes uh, the internet as well and books. Uh, so it seems like we're trying to preserve uh, uh, much beyond our cinematic uh, heritage. And when I was researching for today's show, I found that there's uh, tons of um, archive organizations. So I included those with the announcement as well. So um, as well as your favorite one, of course. That's true. And um, one of the things that I love about uh, the Internet Archive, and it's something you just mentioned, is the Wayback Machine, where you can um, you enter um, a URL for a website, preferably one that's been online for a while, and you can see what it looked like years and years ago. And I haven't done that with my own website for a while, but uh, the last time I did it, I thought, wow, (laughs) 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 my website's come a long way, uh, (laughs) you know, in the last uh, 22 years or so. Uh, But the Wayback Machine is a lot of fun. You can go back and see, um, you know, what websites used to look like. You know, web. You can see what they looked like before you before you had a lot of frames. And I know I know we've moved beyond frames at this point, but um, you it used to be you know the layout for websites used to be very very static, um, and you, it, it's changed so much since then. Yes, uh, and it continues uh, to change. In fact, I haven't touched my website in over a year. Uh, because they ch- they changed the program and I haven't had time to sit down and play with the new program, uh, so mm. uh, I minimized it, you know, to just a uh, uh, face page, uh, the vision that motivates me, the uh, you know the the umbrella that covers all the things that I do that might seem random and inexplicable if you don't know me or aren't familiar with me, and then uh, just a link to the shows or whichever shows. Uh, uh, were active at the time, plus contact information. So uh, all the rest, hundreds and hundreds of pages of content are just uh, 
you know, unlinked to, but there as I slowly work on uh, transferring it over. Well, but I'm sure you'll get back to it. And, I will. Um, and you know, going back to what I said at the very beginning uh, of this uh, segment, um, I'm, I'm trying to look at this as a year of positive change. Uh, yes. For me, and and I mean that you know across uh, all spheres, um, personally, professionally, and, and so forth. And one of the things that I know I've been threatening to do for a long time, and I'm going to threaten to do it again, <laughs> is I'd really like to make this year the year when I I could do a substantive update uh, for the website. Um, in its current guise, uh, my website has, has looked like what it looks like now for about 10 years, and that's that, it, that might as well be 100 years you know, when it comes to web development. And right. uh, I, I fully intend to drag it into the 21st century, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> so. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I don't want to – I certainly don't want to eliminate anything. Um uh, I just want to enhance what's already there, and if I can think of something to add to it, I certainly intend to to do that as well. I'm, I'm not certainly not going to subtract, you know, anything from the website. Um, but you know, with with Pinterest and some of some of some of the other websites, there are a lot of you know uh, photo archives now. And that's yeah. kind of originally what what my website was, which is photos and information. And I'd, I'd like to expand it, um, but ultimately uh, it it needs a, a facelift or a freshening. Uh, you know, something to keep uh, your regular visitors interested, and something to keep me interested in it. I mean, I work on my website every day. I up, I update it every day of the year. And, wow. you know, so the update, well, well, I mean, the updates are, you know, I mean, it, they're not always, they're not global necessarily, uh, but, but I, I do try to, you know, go in and tweak. And as I'm going through the website, if I, if I see a mistake, an error, uh, and, I, and I find them every day, uh, I hate to say, uh, I'll, I'll go in and fix it. I keep the birthdays uh, updated and so forth, and, and that keeps me involved in it and keeps me interested uh, in it. But I really would like to you know, freshen it, um, you know, enhance enhance its functionality, and, get, and give it uh, an updated look. That uh, I can see that, and uh, I must say that despite the changes in the evolution, uh, one of the uh, uh, things that I most appreciate about your website, uh, other than, of course, the, the photos and the information, is that it's been there for a very long time. So it, it, it kind of has a landscape and a, a quality of permanence uh, that uh, many websites, you know, because websites come and go. So it's very comforting to know that that's been there for so long and it will continue to be there. And, uh, you know, that uh, there are new things to discover and explore when when you visit again. 
Well, I mean, and that's that, that's that's fantastic to hear, and I, I I fully intend on keeping it going for as long as I'm breathing, and hopefully I've still, still have another thirty or forty years of that, um, God willing. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I fully intend to to keep the the site up and going, but uh, just to just to keep it you know, fresh and. You know, I don't know about you, but but as I get older, um, I seem to be more and more resistant to change, and I really think that I really think that this year I need to get past that and embrace change because, well, it's going to happen whether you like it or not. Very Uh, true. And and I think uh, oftentimes uh, change can be for the better, and it should. you should be able to grow uh, through some change. Um, and I, I think the website uh, really needs, it really needs to be updated and I think change would do it good. But as I said, I, I don't intend on deleting anything from it. I, I just want to, you know, uh, make it look better. And if I can figure out a way to make it uh, easier to navigate or more functional, um, and I will certainly uh, add that in as well. Um, if you want to start adding in audio cl- uh, clips to all of your entries, we can start working on that next month if you'd like. Uh, the, that, that's a very good point. Uh, something that we had discussed doing last year uh, was sort of doing a, a, a vlog um, yes. for for each uh, one of the pages. And that's something I, that I, I, I intend on getting back to and exploring this year. That'll be awesome. And, uh, um, you know, any updates uh, you care to share, if you let me know in a personal message or an email, uh, I will gladly uh, share them on uh, my timeline and uh, any other places that, uh, um, you know, might be interested in that information. And I extended uh, an invitation to Peplum Paradise uh, which I now extend to you as well. I asked if you want updates to be read um, on the uh, sword and sandal related shows, and we have uh, a few of them at this particular point. Uh, I will gladly read out any updates and identify them as being from Dri- Brian Strive Theater and give uh, uh, link information on the uh, entry on uh, Facebook and uh, as I read the information. So, um, like you gave the birthdays uh, coming in January today, that would be an example of something I'd be willing to read in addition to our uh, segment that we do together. Well, that, that's fantastic. You know, and by the way, as I was looking over the uh, birthdays, it was interesting the way I found the birthdays to just be naturally grouped. Um, we have a lot of sword and sandal birthdays this month, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I'm not, not that I'm very big into astrology or anything like that, but it was just interesting to see how, at least for the actors, uh, in these films, how many of them are born at certain times of the year. And that could be the subject to a whole other show. And uh, I would love to hear what you gather on that. Unfortunately, our journey is over for today. And I'd like you to be able to share how people can uh, enter the wonderful world of Brian Stubbin Theater. 
Well, uh, if you'd like to communicate with me, uh, you can always reach out via Facebook at Brian's Drive-In Theater. Um, or if you'd like to come in and take another look at the website, uh, you can go to Brian'sDriveInTheater.com, and that is Brian with an I. Awesome. Thank you very much, uh, Brian. May the year continue to bring positive change and unfold in a way that will be of great uh, benefit to you in all your endeavors. And thank you for all that you do for the Sword and Sandal uh, community. And thank you, Hercules, and I look forward to speaking to you in the future. Ditto here. Uh, we're going to listen to a quick song, and uh, let me see if I can find something new. I, I have a tendency to play the same songs, like I have a tendency to watch the same movies over and over again. Um, let's see. Summerland. That sounds good. So we'll play Summerland by Emerald Rose, and then we'll be back for physical culture with the legendary Bill Hinburn of Super Strength uh, Training. They say the road to heaven is straight and narrow. And they say the road to hell is smooth and wide. Well, the path that follows it may belong in winding, but it surely other side Well I walk the stage of shadow
Greetings and welcome back to Voice of Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus, your host, and our next and final guest for tonight is the legendary Bill Hinburn of Super Strength uh, Training. Greetings and welcome, Bill. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Glad to be here. How have you been? I've been phenomenal. I got my order today. Uh, so thank you very much for the very uh, prompt uh, shipping, and it came in excellent condition. And uh, I skimmed through it, and I'm looking forward to reading it uh, slowly and uh, absorbing what I'm reading. Fantastic. I'm sure I, you'll get a lot out of it. Uh, I'm sure I will, uh, too. Um, our other guests tonight spoke of what uh, they plan uh, during the coming year, uh, and mostly it's for positive change and for uh, being open to new possibilities. Do you have anything that you'd like to see in this coming year? Um, as far as uh, uh, health and strength and uh, physical culture, uh, I would like to see people uh, uh, pay attention to their uh, dietary regimen and, uh, and uh, uh, exercise properly. Stay with it is the important thing. Uh, recuperation is extremely important. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, traditionally over, gosh, I don't know how long, uh, people make uh, New Year's resolutions. Uh, unfortunately, about 10% of the uh, people with these uh, resolutions uh, uh, go further than Groundhog Day. <laughs> you understand what I mean? They usually yeah. throw in the towel. But, uh, you know, to be perfectly objective, humans being what they are, we are creatures of habit. Yeah. And uh, it's extremely difficult to vary from the norm. It uh, It's uh, it's nearly impossible. Uh, it takes a great deal of, of, uh, of uh, discipline. It, it uh, especially if if uh, you are around people that are doing the exact opposite that you're trying to achieve. You know, smokers that are around smokers and say, "Oh, well, I'm gonna give up cigarettes," but they're around cigarettes constantly. People who, for example, I'm just speaking of the bad habits. Uh, you know, people who drink or anything like that. Uh, you know, a lot of their friends drink and stuff like that. And and uh, 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 our foodstuffs. Even if you're trying to eat a healthy diet. It's, um, it, uh, you know, uh, you're going to say to yourself, okay, I want to cut way back on carbs, you know. And, and But then, the, you know, your your best friend, your girlfriend, your wife, uh, family member, whatever, says, hey, we're uh-huh. going to uh, an Italian restaurant. Want to come along? <laughs> Here comes the yep. pasta, you know. <laughs> yep. But uh, discipline is key. You know, and you have to have a, a, a tremendous uh, amount of that, and you have to have um, uh, you have to have clear-cut goals. You have to know what the goals are, but you can't be unreasonable with your goals. You know, uh, uh, you know, you you can't. For example, you can alter your diet. You can't go from you know your wicked, wicked ways prior to the holidays, for example, when you're eating you know anything and and uh, which a lot of the holiday food is is uh, you know it's it, it'll put weight on you know and, right. and then you you know come uh, come January 2nd here you are and you're going to completely change your diet well it sends a shockwave throughout your system you know 
and and when you're altering your foodstuffs and things like that, uh, I I'd like to think that your your uh, your mind and your body go into starvation mode. They figure, oh my gosh, we're not getting any more pasta, you know, you know the uh, the white flour products, where are they at? You know, stuff like that. And so suddenly starvation mode, your body tends to absorb or try to draw much more nutriment out of the food that you are eating. So regardless yeah. of how much you're eating, you know, your body is taking more nutriment out because, frankly, and I'm exaggerating, it doesn't know when it's going to get its next meal. <laughs> you know, but... One of the things that's useful to me is expect to fail continuously. Just don't stop. If you failed, you failed. Uh, just let go of it. <laughs> Think about what happened and uh, ways that you can prevent it from happening again. And then just uh, don't say, oh, I broke the diet. Now, you know, I can eat anything right. I want for a while. No, you broke the diet. Then leave it alone. And now you're back on the diet the second. And just, just keep uh, keep going. And like you said, everything is a habit, and it takes a long time to establish a new uh, habit. So if you're going to beat yourself up every time you fail in doing that, you'll be beating yourself up a lot and not getting anywhere. Uh, but if exactly. you just keep going, eventually you'll get to that decision point, and you'll make a different decision. And then, then it's gravy. Well, that's, that's very true. You know, I forget now how long it uh it takes to develop a habit, uh, uh, both good or bad. You know, uh, there's a, a certain number of weeks or whatever. It's not very long, and you can get no. in, the, uh, um, uh, in into a, a good or bad habit. And you know, again, uh, a lot of people, uh, um, you know, consider any habits that they have are bad. You know, when they're trying to change something. Um, uh, I'm reading here, and, and it says on average it takes more than two months. Oh, I was kind of—I I said six weeks, but it takes more than two months before a new behavior becomes automatic. Sixty-six days, to be exact. And how long does it take a new habit to form? Can vary widely on the behavior, the person, and the circumstances. So that's a you know that's that's more of a disclaimer you know that's more of an easy way out by saying it depends on the individual of course it does, but yeah. let's say it does take two months you know uh, uh, good habit or bad, um, uh, you know uh, um, a habit of getting up at a certain time in the morning a habit of eating at a certain time say you eat breakfast you eat you eat dinner you eat supper okay if you do things at a particular time. During the day, in other words, this is regimentation, of course. But if you do it a certain time, your body comes to expect it. Your right. body comes to anticipate it. Okay, you know, like some people have have uh, difficulty eating correctly. Uh, they're all over the chart as far as what time, as far as what food. Sometimes they skip breakfast altogether. Or uh, they eat, uh, say, say dinner uh, an hour or two later, or you know they they eat their supper instead of five o'clock. They go as uh, you know as far as seven o'clock or whatever. You know your your body doesn't know what to expect from time right. to time. And the same holds true with exercise. If if you exercise at a particular time on a particular day, I think we've gone over this several times as far as yeah. 
overtraining, so I won't go into that. But when you're talking about uh, an- anticipating your training, say you you do train a Monday, Wednesday, and a Friday, which is the the uh, classic training or every other day for recuperation purposes. Well, your body, say you train on Monday, mm-hmm. your body will anticipate exercise on Wednesday. How do I, or why do I say that? You will feel it. You will, your body will feel as though, you know, you will feel a certain strength, a certain energy approaching that particular time. I've talked to several people that have had that. Okay. And by the same token, if you're training too much, okay, you know, you walk into your gym or whatever and your body, oh man, I just don't feel like doing this. Well, guess what? Don't. Another and I, again, right. I won't go into great detail. We've we beat this half to death, but this uh-huh. is the thing when when you're when you're talking and just like sleep, you know. Um, uh, I remember being on different uh, shifts uh, with with the various employment that I had. Okay, and uh, mm-hmm. you know you say to yourself, okay, I just got eight hours sleep. Let's say you're on a say a midnight shift. Okay. And and you think that you're gonna uh, say five days a week, and uh, you you think that you're gonna swing back to the regular hours on the weekend. No, you're gonna want your body is gonna want to go to sleep at a regular time. I don't care if you just woke up, and it's happened to me, you know. So uh, you have certain biorhythms, ups and downs. Right. You have to be regular at every single thing you do, and it has to be that way. And and the same way with the foodstuffs, as we've discussed in the past, you know, every culture has their favorite food, you know, that's tradition, especially after the holidays, whatever holiday, whether whatever spiritual belief you, you're connected with. There are certain uh-huh. foods and certain uh, behaviors and stuff like that, Okay. Well, you know, you, you, you carry that along, and and there's also some people have certain favorite foods. For mm-hmm. whatever reason, they like a particular food, or for whatever reason, they don't like a particular food, you know. Uh, you know, I have had certain family members that don't like vegetables of any kind. I mean, no vegetables. Okay. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately... Vegetable. Yeah, I I have a hard time relating to that, you know, because I eat anything, you know. I mean, you know, if somebody says we're having, a, you name it, I'll say, well, that's my favorite. How do you know? And they all laugh, you know. They say, well, he says that about everything, you know. But in my humble opinion, it's not so much the food. It's the preparation, okay? Mm-hmm. There's very, 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 very few foods that I don't like for years. I didn't like Brussels sprouts. <clears throat> and I would have people, to, you know, say to me, how can you not like Brussels sprouts when you love sauerkraut and you love cabbage, both cooked and raw? I said, well, to you it might taste like cabbage. To me it does not. Right. And then one day, out of the clear blue, someone had uh, Brussels sprouts where they were baked. I had only had them boiled. Okay. Uh-huh. And I had them baked and I said, "My gosh, these are fantastic." And they, oh, incidentally, they threw garlic in. Well, you put garlic on something, uh-huh. you know, it, it's a whole new ball game. So anyway, I was crazy about that. Now today, I will eat Brussels sprouts, but 
I won't eat them boiled. So you see what I'm saying? Another food stuff was um, uh, okra. Mm-hmm. It was fascinating to me because, uh, I mean, for decades, most of my life up till, my gosh, maybe 15 years ago, I would not walk across the room to look at okra, much less eat it. Well, the only way I had ever had it, and it was one time, is I had it boiled. Well, I stumbled across a good friend who happened to be from the South, okay? And Mm -hmm. I explained that because he says, oh, okra, this and okra. I said, how can you eat okra? He says, what do you mean? I said, I had okra, and it's got to be the worst. It is... It is, you know, uh, ghastly. I couldn't handle it. I, he says, how did you have it fixed? I said, it was boiled. I thought he was going to fall off the chair. He says, nobody eats okra boiled. He says, I'll bring you some okra tomorrow. Well, he brought in some fried okra. Well, deep fried okra. Well, you know, you're coming from the south, everything is deep fried, and it's got yeah. a quarter pound of butter on it, you know. And that's pretty much what it was, you know. But it was deep fried, and it was fantastic. So, Again, there's something else. It's the same food, but it's prepared differently, you see. And and so that's why I say if people are going to come into a dietary regimen for a particular purpose, let's say fat loss. I don't like to say weight loss, you know, because mm-hmm. weight loss and yeah, weight loss includes muscle, bone, sinew, uh, hair, what you had for breakfast. I mean, it's anything that's sensitive to gravity. I think what people really want want to rid themselves of is uh, 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 additional fat, okay? And and by doing that, there's certain foodstuffs that you stay away from, and there's certain ones that you you uh, develop a, a taste for. And if there's a certain food that you should be eating for variety's sake, you know, uh, you have to find a way that it's palatable. And in so doing, then you're more apt to, to uh, to eat it, you know. And and that's, uh, but that that's what I'd like to see people do. Uh, in answer to your question, Hercules, is for the following year, you know, look at things for the, from those standpoints of view. In the same way with exercise, you know. Uh huh. Say the last six months you've been doing a particular uh, exercise routine, okay. And maybe in your mind, you're saying, well, it's a fresh year. You know, everybody says it's a new year and we're going to, you know, we're going to try to better ourselves and stuff like that. Well, uh, if you're training with dumbbells, go to barbells. If you're training with barbells, go to dumbbells. Uh, mix in some body weight uh, exercise. Maybe use strands, okay? Those are great. Or five-pound Indian clubs. I've had people say, how can you get any type of benefit from a five-pound Indian club. Well, if you do the right routine, you see what I'm saying? Right, kind yeah. of like, yeah, it's kind of like food. If you, if you prepare it properly, you know, if you use the right seasoning with food, well, it's the same way with a five-pound uh, 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 Indian club. If you do the right routine, believe me, you will, you will get benefit from it. And the same way with just uh, regular uh, body weight exercises. It doesn't have to be elaborate, you know, uh, the exercise, you just have to be committed and you have to be determined to get on a schedule and, quote unquote, stick with it. You know, like I said earlier, uh, 
10% uh-huh. of the people will continue their New Year's resolution. The other one is dropped by the wayside after about a month. And a month's a long time. I, you know, I try to be objective. A month is a long time, you know, but uh, people uh, tendency to go back to their to their regular routine is very, very strong. We're creatures of habit. We put our pants on the same with the same leg first every day. We get up off the same uh, side of the bed. Uh, if we are at the dinner table, we ten- have a tendency to sit in the same chair. You see, mm-hmm. and and this this is just uh, we are definitely creatures of habit, and, uh, and to break those habits. Right. Uh, with you know, uh, what you're saying, because uh, my wife and I actually had the Brussels sprouts conversation <laughs> the past <laughs> couple of days about how uh, we both hated Brussels sprouts until we had it baked. And, uh, you know, she can't eat garlic, but I love garlic. So I had the garlic. Oh, yeah. Listening yeah. to you, it's like this is deja vu. I just had this conversation. And yeah. also, you're, you're right. Uh, uh, what I found, too, like uh, I want to change for this uh, new year. So um, I started experimenting with uh, bands, with the yes. elastic bands, and wow, am I getting pumps like I haven't gotten in very many years, and uh, yeah. uh, I'm fatigued after like three exercises with one set, you know, like uh, three body parts or four body parts uh, with just one yeah. set failure, uh, so it's a revelation, it's like, where, where has this been all my life? It's been there, yeah. but I, I was stuck in my habits. Yeah, that's very true. And, and uh, you know, people have to realize that the habits they have, both good and bad, are ingrained. You know, and the longer you have that particular habit, the more difficult it is to break that habit. Many times it's important to consider a replacement, replace a negative habit with a positive habit. You know, mm-hmm. that could be a, you know, a... a uh, a situation. Um, uh, certain foods, for example, you try to you you try to alter it to mimic what you have. For example, I've seen people um, rather than use bread for a sandwich, they will use lettuce. Okay, and so it gives the appearance, <coughs> excuse me, somewhat of a sandwich. <laughs> right. But it it's not the bread and it's not the carb. If they're trying to eliminate the carb from their diet, okay, they can use uh, lettuce. Um, I, I've seen people, uh, you know, do other things. And nowadays, and I've never had it, but I understand there's a uh, there's a vegetable replacement for beef, uh, for for the burger, you know, and stuff for people that eat hamburgers and they want to go from from uh, you know beef. To vegetables, so now they have a vegetable. What's it called? Impossible Burger or something like that. Yeah, I haven't had it. Yeah, I I haven't had it. Right, and of course, uh, there's some people say, "Wow, it tastes very, very close to it." Yeah, well, okay. (laughs) I just, you know, it's one of those things that's in your mind, I guess. And that's another thing I've I've told people about uh, certain foods that they won't eat. Uh, For example, I'll eat venison. I know people that won't eat venison. Why? Because it's in their head that they they don't like venison, okay? Well, okay, fine. I I have no problem with that, you know. And and, uh, the same way with certain other foods, you know, uh, um, uh, 
uh, and I've had a variety of. I've had buffalo. I've you know bison. I've I've had uh, 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 bear. I've I've had many different foods. You know, I I, I will at the very least try things. You know, and and uh, but some people are are not up for that, and that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. and a lot of people they have a problem. They, they have a uh, uh, you know they have stomach problems and stuff like that. I've I've talked to people that for many years. For their entire life, they've been able to eat spicy food. Now, suddenly, when they're in their, you know, autumn of their life, say late fifties, early sixties, uh, the spicy food uh, bothers the stomach. You know, and so uh, I can understand that. You know, you know, people change; they can't eat certain foods that they could for you know many many years. So you alter the diet, um, but uh, as far as habit and stuff like that. I think it's crucial, especially uh, not only the beginning of the year, but throughout the year, to uh, you know uh, be be committed and be uh, 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 stick to it. What whatever you're going to do, stick to it. And if you make a mistake, don't beat yourself half to death. Just say, okay, I screwed up yesterday. I, I you know I had that plate of spaghetti, whatever thing that you weren't supposed to have. <coughs> Excuse me, and. Just make your mind up not to do it again, you know, or have a cheat day. And a lot of people have these so-called cheat days, you know, <coughs> and that's a good thing. It's a good thing because, you know, sometimes people put themselves on a particular diet regimen. Let's say they're going to, to uh, and, and it, it is strictly behavior. It's, it's right. what it is. Um, they have to get in a particular behavior mode. But, you know, we're in America and, you know, most of the food we eat is just no damn good for you. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's be honest. You know, I mean, I love ice cream. Okay, <laughs> you Me see too. where I'm going with it. You know, and ice so ice cream over my weakness. Uh, actually, if I'm if I'm going to break the diet or, or cheat, it always winds up to something like a creamy or ice creamy. You know oh, what I yeah. found? Some plant-based mm. uh, proteins for protein shakes. If you mix uh-huh. them with certain nut milks, and requires a lot of experimentation to do this, uh, they'll whip up if you put them on the whip setting on the blender uh, to be almost like ice cream or custard. Wow, no kidding. So it's like, it's like a, a, a frozen <laughs> and solidified. Sophia, my, my, my dog is protecting me from imaginary terrorists. Here. Well, no, your dog wants some ice cream is what he wants. <laughs> but I found that that helps a lot because it, it has a texture and not it doesn't taste like ice cream, but it has a texture and kind of like some of the flavor of ice cream. So it takes care of my uh, ice cream yen and gives yeah. me uh, protein at the same time. Come here, Thank you for protecting me. Come on, puppy. Stay in my lap. No. Okay, come on. Come on. That's another change in our life. We, ooh, come on. Come on, puppy. Come on. Uh, we were never dog uh, people. We were cat people for uh, uh-huh. much of our lives. 
uh, and then we wound up with a puppy in Pennsylvania, and the puppy transformed our lives. So after the puppy grew into a dog and lived eight years and then died, uh, we got two new uh, dogs. So uh, uh, that's a major change. And now you wonder, how do we ever live without dogs? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I've got both. So I know exactly, and they're worlds apart, you know. Yes, we have both. But, uh, and three cats. Yeah, they become, uh, uh, you know, well, they become family. I mean, they are yeah, and, they uh, losing uh, um, a pet like that is devastating. At least it is for us. You know, it's very tough because, you know, they're around you constantly. Yeah. And dogs especially have a ferocious loyalty. They are far more uh, dependent uh, on you than a uh, cat is. Cats have a tendency to be very uh, um, independent, as you well know. And uh, they are uh, 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 cats, <coughs> excuse me, especially, you know, you have to watch them like a hawk, you know. Right. Uh, whereas dogs are pretty much up front with their behavior, you know. But, uh, you know, they're just like kids. They're just like children. Uh, you know, when they do something are. wrong, you you see them behave a certain way, just, just like a child of power, you know, put their head down. They know they've done something wrong, you know. Yeah. And, you know, they have, you know, they have their moments and stuff like that. But, yeah, they're, they are uh, definitely uh, wonderful creatures, you know. And uh, I worked in uh, lots of hospitals over the years in one of my careers or actually several of my careers in different capacities. And uh, every now and then they have pet therapy. Uh, where they would bring uh, uh, pets, usually dogs, uh, into the uh, um, hospital or into, you know, one of the clinics or hospices or wings or, you know, whatever they call the different areas in the hospital where they uh, categorized and placed the people to receive uh, treatment. And uh, just the fact that there was a pet there and the people could interact with it, uh, you could see changes in their behavior and in their attitude. And uh, so they have a very healing effect on our lives. We don't realize it uh, all the time, uh, especially right. when the, they're, they're being like children. <laughs> but uh, uh, they do. They have a very positive effect on us overall. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, they have uh, uh, people tend to be happy when they have, you know, pets like that. Um they have uh, what do they call them now when they uh, uh, they have a word for a dog or a pet that uh, soothes their nerves or whatever I forget what it's called. I don't uh, companions no. Uh... Yeah, some some sort of a companion type. Uh, 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 it eases their uh, anxieties and what have you. Uh, it's like a comfort dog or something, a comfort pet, or, you know, something like that. I've seen people that attempt to take them on planes and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. They feel it's necessary for their, you know, uh, mental well-being, you know, stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I've had, my gosh, I can't, I've had so many dogs since I was just a little kid. I had a dog, you know, and the ones we have are rescue dogs, you know. That's yeah, thing, you know, uh, you know, people should, uh, you know, in the in the following year. You know, some people don't care for pets or dogs or, or uh, um, 
cancer, whatever, you know. There is a commitment involved, you know. You you, you don't have the freedom, you know. You you just can't say, well, we're just going to take off for a week. Well, what are you going to do with the pets, you know? And I'm Mm -hmm. not a big fan of taking them anywhere because I, you know, to a kennel or anything like that to take care of because you don't know what they're going to pick up as far as, and it's nothing, it's it's nothing to do with, with the kennel. It's no reflection on them necessarily, but there is a certain amount of, you know, germs and stuff like that that they're not uh, they're not used to being around and stuff like that. So you know you can you can end up with uh, with real problems like that. But uh, yeah, we have to gear everything around. You know, our uh, our critters, as I like to call them. You know. <laughs> uh-huh. But, now, uh huh. But Bill, you've been a legendary figure in uh, your field for a very long time, and. Um, the name of the show, this division of the show is called Age of Heroes. I don't know if I've ever read to you what the Age of Heroes is all about. I don't believe you have. And the reason I'm going to read it now is we're going to be awarding awards uh, to people who, through their life work, have made a substantial contribution, a positive contribution to the lives of uh, people around them. And you certainly qualify, so you're, you're there on the top of the list. Um, Within us all is a unique greatness. All of us were granted divine gifts at birth, and a grand destiny lies ahead for anyone willing to follow their own unique path. The age of the victim is finally over, and the age of heroes has dawned. The way of the hero posits that one must utilize one's individual strengths to make one's world a better place. One need not be perfect, or operating from ideal circumstances either. Are not the heroes that inspire us often tragically flawed? Are their lives not in a state of flux and full of uncertainty? Does that prevent them from attempting and accomplishing great things? Our Age of Heroes initiatives have harnessed the creative energy and focused the attention of many heroic individuals with radically diverse backgrounds over the years, directing it towards improving the collective quality of human life. The Age of Heroes welcomes secular, interfaith, and intrafaith participation. As with the Argonaut expedition of old, the children of different and sometimes warring gods are invited to partner with exceptional people to face great challenges and accomplish something that will benefit us all. And certainly our world is is in need of optimal wellness, and you've done more than most people I know to make sure that this information is out there. You've been generous with your wisdom and your knowledge. So uh, um, when I get everything together, you'll be getting an award in the mail and we'll do a show on it. Oh, I am touched. Believe me, beyond beyond whatever you can imagine. Yes. um, uh, Well, thank you so much. You're very kind, your words. Um, Yeah, it's been over 50 years now. uh, And, I've had a lot of people tell me that if it wasn't for you, I would have given up uh, training altogether, you know, because I spurn their interest. And I, many yeah. times that they contact me, I, I give them direction. And, uh, you know, I say, look, I would start with this book, or if you've already, if you're at this stage of your training, I would use this book or something like, you know, of that. And everything that I have is, uh, it brings something to the table. There's, there's nothing that, uh, I would say is just uh, you know open it up close it same old stuff 
it's uh, it has an approach each thing has its own uh, idiosyncrasies and all its its own uh, personality and approach to training and uh, of course they're all written by people that uh, uh, uh you know are experts you might say authorities obviously they've authored a book um and and this is what i think is important for people to have a constant source where yeah. while they're training uh, because it's very, very easy, Hercules, to get into boredom, monotony, and stuff like that. You know, you're just bored with the same old thing. I, hey, I've told people, okay, you're bored. All right, go out to your gym, turn everything around. Turn the bench around. Turn the plates. Uh, take the plates, paint them a different color. I don't care what color. Uh-huh. Paint, them, paint them yellow. Paint them green. Paint them blue. You know, um, and like I say, turn the bench around so you're facing a different uh, direction. Instead of starting with a particular ed- exercise, end with that exercise. Turn that around. Don't you, you don't have to change the reps or the resistance. Just the the uh, order in which you do the exercises, okay? Uh, uh, change the time of day, okay? It may give mm-hmm. you a whole new attitude. You may say to yourself, man, I should have done this years ago. This is a much better way. Well, and I, I caution people when they become too enthusiastic like that. I said, you know, you have to remember something. Every exercise routine works until it doesn't. Right. <laughs> and so you have to have a backup plan. You have to say, okay, this routine is doing very well. I'm not gonna. I'm not here to tell you. I'm okay. Things are going great. Wait till the other shoe drops. No, I'm simply saying. And I'll reiterate, everything works until it doesn't. Be ready for the part when it doesn't. It isn't, it isn't a matter of, of, of uh, if, it's a matter of when, okay? Because your body's worst, your, your, your whole training, your worst enemy is becoming, is adapting to your workout. Once your body adapts to something, it, <clears throat> it will no longer respond with growth. It gets used to it. People get used to exercise. They get used to not exercising. That's why if you've had an extended layoff for whatever reason, you go back out to your gym, let's say, four or five months later, you've got a lot of aches and pains and uh, creaks and pops and all this stuff because you haven't been doing it for a while, okay? But fortunately... Your body has that memory from before, and it will respond far quicker than if you've never exercised. Okay, so that's important that note, to keep that in mind. We yes, have sir. to end the journey for today. We only have a couple of minutes left, and I'd like to give you a chance to uh, share with people how they can contact you and find out more about your work. Okay, you can contact me on the internet www.superstrengthtraining.com. In the right-hand corner of every page, there is a sign-up box. Sign up for my free daily uh, newsletters. All you need to put in is your first and last name and your email address. Hit um, uh, respond, okay, uh, and sign up. And uh, uh, you will start getting free daily doses of what I consider very important facts be they on exercises, biographies of old-time strongmen, my approach to things. You won't find anything that has anything to do with 
politics or religion or any of that. So don't worry about that. That's I don't deal with any of that. I deal with what I know best and what I feel comfortable with, and that's physical culture. And thank you for being an awesome guest on tonight's uh, show. And thanks for all that you've done for all of us everywhere uh, who are into the body game. Thank you so much, Hercules. Have a pleasant evening. Bye now. And thanks to everybody who's joined us uh, from home. Until next time, this is all of us wishing all of you joyous journeys and amazing adventures. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Thank you.